0: I think any, anybody taking on Entrepreneur Pursuits is gonna have, you have to be naive enough to think or know you can do it. You have to believe in yourself. You have to have great mentors and supporters and people yeah. around you. Um, you have to run through walls. And then sometimes you gotta go back and run through that wall again. Yeah. But you just gotta keep, keep after it. Believe in a clear vision. <laughs> Welcome to The Insiders, a podcast on the latest advancements, challenges and successes in innovation and technology. With industry leaders sharing their personal stories, we humanize the world of innovation and inspire listeners to push their boundaries and celebrate real humans shaping our collective future.
1: Hello and welcome again to The Insiders podcast. I'm your host, Mark Lowe, the head of KPMG Ignition here in Vancouver. Uh, and very excited to have Jeff McCann with us today. Um, Jeff is, uh, well, first of all, uh, the CEO and founder of Apollo Insurance, founded in 2018. So we're very excited to have Jeff here. Jeff, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here.
1: Uh, so great to have you. Um, let's start by sort of setting a bit of background for the folks who are listening. So um, you know, tell me a little bit about your, maybe your background in, in terms of, you know, when you, if you, you know, spend some time on Jeff's LinkedIn, the, the timeline kind of makes sense. But I'm curious for just how that early part of your career set the stage for the insights that you had about the market and where you saw those opportunities.
0: Yeah, without a doubt, you know, I never thought I would have been an entrepreneur. Uh, I really, you know, came out of out of high school and going to school. It was all about go big for accounting, you know, go to go get a law degree. That was always kind of the push and the drive. Go work for a big corporate, work your yeah. way up, wear a suit and tie at the office. <laughs> like that was the playbook. Yeah. And and I should have known better. You know, my, my parents were entrepreneurs my grandparents were entrepreneurs. My great grandparents were entrepreneurs. I should have, should have kind of had that known. And, and if I look back and think about some of the journey, you know, even through school and whatnot, I did a lot of different entrepreneurial things um, that, you know, the journey kind of makes sense. sales contest, okay. I had the paper route. We, you know, we did the chocolate Bar fundraiser, okay. right? And I must have won by 10 times. Oh, you're that, you're that kid, okay. Oh, I set up a little stand in the foyer. <laughs> and, yeah, if you look back at all those kind of check marks, you're like, yep, this makes, this makes sense. a lot of sense. Okay. And then I came out of school, and and again, it was, you know, hey, go, you know, go corporate. And so did that, um, had a great time, learned a lot, was very lucky to have some great mentors in the accounting um, practice that I worked at, and then kind of fell backwards into insurance. I don't think anybody really gets up and thinks, you know what, like insurance is going to be the top checklist. It's not something there was a recruit for at school. There was no real presence. I would have never known anything about sort of the corporate insurance side, You know, you think insurance kiosk at the mall was kind of the the relation. So I sort of fell backwards and um, I ended up doing ski resort insurance, which must have been just the best job ever.
1: What was it about? uh, So, you know, you're in the insurance market, so you're starting to get a sense of the landscape. What was it about it that that? Was it a, an understanding of the market that created that insight that kind of motivated? What was the thing that you said, okay, hang on a second, there's a way to do this better, and I've got a view of that. What is that sort of, talk, talk about that early process.
0: I think the biggest thing was when I was going through university, everything was moving from um, you know in-person classes, there was more and more remote opportunities, everything was now you know laptops were really becoming mainstream i mean i had the blackberry like right. pearl and brick baker was the thing right so i was kind of watching this innovation life cycle yeah. And then coming into big four accounting, everything was cloud based. Everybody was issued a laptop. You're working at the client site. So it was all hoteling and checking in. So when I went into insurance, it was like going back in time. Right. You know, you're looking at walls of paper files. Um, People are showing up at meetings with a stack of every email printed, every policy document. People are taking photographs, developing those at like London, you know, a, a, a store getting those printed and putting them in the file, and that's the client file. So I think just that juxtaposition of coming kind of back in time, being like, wow, this is just antiquated, and then the amount of money. I mean, Canadian insurance market in property and casualties, about $60 billion. Every business, every individual is paying for insurance one way or the other, and this is how it's all being managed and transacted. I think that was just the real... Hey, this could be a lot better. Right. and We're seeing it happen in other industries. You yeah, know, th- this this industry certainly could be, um, you know, digitized in that sense.
1: Okay, so we want to jump into all that stuff around. You know, how do you how do you think about a market and break down your opportunity? So let's come back to that. But did your view of the industry change as you started to build inside that industry? So you kind of, you know, you, maybe you have one view of it as you're looking at it, going, here's the opportunity. Now you're watching the sausage being made and you're having a kind of like a totally different view of it. Did it? change as you learn more or got into the back, back yeah, office of it? Yeah, I
0: think it's certainly a journey. Um, you know, when when we when we had to sort of quit our jobs and start the company. Yeah. And of course, because we were going to be competing with the previous firm, we had we had a great relationship there. We said, hey, can we start this? Uh, can, will you invest in this concept? And it just wasn't right for the business model. So we we're like, okay, we have to quit. And we had to be sort of cold turkey and, and leave. And I think one thing I definitely would have thought was that the industry would have moved a lot faster. Right. I, you know, at the time, I was watching online banking go from, you know, showing up at a teller yeah. to ATMs to totally on your phone. And so watching that happen, you know, it was, the word disruption was so much more common yeah. than I think it even is now. So I was kind of like Chicken Little thinking this, like, We gotta go. The sky is falling. This whole we gotta move. People, we gotta move here. You know, are you crazy? And so, as a result of of kind of, I was just so convinced that it was gonna move. And even now, I mean, we've built a great business, and we've certainly, um, you know, been able to be very successful in in providing a digital solution out to the market. But the most of the market hasn't moved at all. Right there are it's still literally the exact same zero change. Yeah. And I think that was probably the biggest insight in learning, uh, just that, you know what? It's resilient, it's a big market, um, people are busy, uh, different dynamics between private equity and different funds and different you know, publicly traded companies, they don't have the extra margin to go and spend 30 $40, 50000000 million right. on a big technology project. Or that project is going to be going from sort of a mainframe style system yep. just right. to get, I mean, cloud as a concept is exciting. Never mind, you know, flow through transactions um, and 24-hour service. Yeah. Just the idea of having your data is still very, very early. And so I think we're just at the beginning of this life cycle. But if you had asked me five years ago, I was convinced we were late.
1: Right, right. Well, that's, a that's a I mean, an interesting insight there just in terms of when you have that kernel of, uh, of real insight, right, and you're on to something, you know, very specific, That to have the patience to kind of see that through, right, to – um, and, and that requires, I would think, a, a certain type of, you referenced uh, you know, grit, right? The idea that it's it's gonna it's gonna be a process. We're gonna take some time here. There's some change that's gotta occur. We've gotta educate the market a little bit. So that requires a certain type of entrepreneur as
0: well. I think any anybody taking on entrepreneur pursuits is gonna have, you have to be naive enough to think or know you can do it. You have to believe in yourself. You have to have great mentors and supporters and people yeah. around you. Um, you have to run through walls. And then sometimes you got to go back and run through that wall again. Yep. But you just got to keep keep after it. Um, believe in a clear vision. And, and I mean, we've also gone through. You know, we went through the whole lockdown uh, time period. We were you know eight people pre lockdowns. So we came out of it over a hundred. Right. And so building things remotely and navigating all the different challenges. But also our customers were facing those same. Whether it's the end customer or uh, some of the um, the larger corporate customers we have they were going through that as well. Yep. So they're like, you know what? The internet can wait. I got to, you know, figure out some of these base things, um, base operating procedures around how to manage their business in this time. So I think that that made a, a big difference too, of, of just how the grit that we had to take and how we had to navigate the market with everybody together yeah. uh, and try and, you know, be helpful and and, uh, and also make a buck at it while we were deploying <laughs> our solution. Right.
1: I want to I come back to this. I've made myself a note here, but I I... I, I conscious of the fact that as we talk about the idea of innovation and defining markets, right? So in in our innovation practice, we would talk about kind of, uh, you know, first horizon, second horizon, third horizon. So first horizon, right, is I'm going to innovate the way that I do things. Second horizon is I might look at a new market or a new type of product. And then the third horizon is I'm going to fundamentally reimagine what this business is. What you're describing sounds to me like uh, very much that third horizon, right? You're operating inside this very old, very legacy kind of uh, industry, and now you're saying, hang on a second, I want to completely reimagine what this looks like. So first question is, in that construct, right? how did you think about breaking down the elements of the market you were addressing, because you're addressing that in a totally different way, and all the component pieces that have to support this new vision that that you're trying to lay out?
0: I think uh, in any company, but certainly in our company, you start with that third horizon, we're going to reinvent this whole thing. And then you have to kind of step back, and, and you have to borrow from and take a few things with you. Right. So you're still going to have your suitcases, and you're going to bring your luggage along, which is, you know what? We're going to reinvent this piece of it. But the, the realities of global reinsurance markets are still going to be a dynamic in our business. Right. And that's just going to be about how we you know, up supply chain, as an example, how we're able to price and create product. you know, And those frictions, so we're saying, you know what, we're going to use the exact same policy document that anybody else could get. Now, how you access it, how we use data, how we engage customers, how we distribute the product, how we create an effortless experience, that we're going to reimagine. But the the wording and the supply chain, you know what? We're going to let that pretty much stay status <laughs> right, quo. Right. And especially know, I mean, it's a $5 trillion global industry. Yeah. And so you can reinvent and reimagine, but then you've got to kind of bring some of that with you. And I think we found that where we said, okay, well, wh- what do we have to bring? Because that's just natural forces. What do we have to bring for a while? That'll move, and we'll be able to to sort of sunset over time. Yep. And what can we just totally brand new take a, a white piece of paper approach to to our go to market?
1: One of the things that you've that I've heard you talk about in uh, in other interviews, and in, you know the idea of tailwinds in an industry, right? And that's a fundamental piece of.
0: Uh, it
1: strikes me the the Apollo story for sure, right? Is that there are certain dynamics at play in Canada specifically that give your business tailwinds as you. Talk, you know, if you're advising other entrepreneurs, how do you, uh, does that come up in terms of the idea of, you know, you're always trying to pick a good market. What does a good market look like? But there are fundamental drivers that are helping your business get where you want to go as you are sort of metaphorically building the plane of this new way of doing things
0: yeah, and i advise a, a couple of the companies and and also in our business even within the insurance business you can break it down into tons of different markets and so i really like markets with big total addressable markets so for us we look at certain segments whether it's renters there's more canadians renting than ever new canadians are are growing that market by say a million you know uh, from an immigration policy perspective we love segments of small business because there's this sort of renaissance of entrepreneurship happening post, you know, lockdowns, and people are coming out. New Canadians start businesses, yep. so we're saying, okay, well, how can we pick certain segments of small business? Um, uh, you know, renters insurance, and then we also really look for an underserved customer because sometimes you can go into a market; it can have all the tailwinds that it wants, but that customer's satisfied, right? And and they're happy, and so even if it's not digital and it's not some fancy new approach, they can still be very satisfied right. with, you know, with, with a lot of it. And so um, you really have to have a, a problem to solve. And then finally, when we look at markets, we really say, well, what's the revenue model? So in our business, we give away our technology for free. We're not trying to sell technology to people because we don't think that's the, the market, that's the revenue model. The model is sell the insurance, right. make money on the insurance. And that's a really good foundational Go to market. Yep. So when we evaluated, do we put on a position ourselves as a software company selling software? We would not have been certainly not where we are today, but we would have had a really tough time. Going in and trying to convince some of these companies, and you would have made a lot less money right. to solve that problem yeah. just because of the nature of the industry.
1: No, understood. Yeah, well, and you guys are certainly doing that. I mean, a fantastic job with that, right? The uh, that's that that great digital experience. Um, you know, the, the way that the customer goes from you know the initial landing page to a quote to a to a policy is really. I mean, you know, as a, here in BC, right? You're, if you're, uh, you're getting insurance on your car, you still got to go to the broker and <laughs> got go that, in and uh, do that whole hustle, hours. right? You
0: got to sign the paperwork. Yeah. You know, and one thing that always frustrated me, you know, just in life is just in my in my personality beyond recognizing, hey, this is an industry that, you know, could benefit from, from technology. I hate going into an institution or organization and filling out my name five times. They check your ID. They had the appointment with you. They know who I am, right. right? And in a lot of cases, they know more than that. They know your address. They know your phone number. And yet you're scribbling down on four different clipboards or whatever it might be, the same thing over and over again. And so we just sort of fundamentally said, you know what, we already know your name. right? And if we work with another organization, our partnerships where we can pull more data, we just pre-fill all that. If I can give you, ask you no questions, you know, your cell phone knows everything about you. Mm-hmm. You know, there are other apps and other pieces of technology you use. I don't have to ask you anything. I could just say, hey, here's your price. Yeah. And And for me, that's fundamentally where we wanna go when we say, you know, insurance should be effortless. You shouldn't have to go and fill anything out. Certainly not a paper. But even in some of our products, I, I got I ask you ten questions, and I still wish we didn't have to ask you anything. Right. So that relentless, <laughs> just I hate having to ask you anything. I think is a big driver in our in our business.
1: Talk a little bit more about that idea of, of data. So you know, one of the uh, one of the advantages of reimagining a business with technology, of course, is that you know, not only does the technology have the potential to collapse supply chains that you're describing, not only does it have the potential to greatly improve the customer experience, but it also empowers you as a business with a whole bunch of data and insights. And one of the things that you talk about uh, in the stuff that you know we, we were researching about Apollo in, in, prepar- in preparation for this was the idea of data as a fundamental decision-making tool for you to improve the business, to improve the customer experience. How do you guys think about that process of uh, gathering, analyzing, and then taking those insights and helping make improvements in the business?
0: Yeah, absolutely. When we look at data, what well, we have, because we're an underwriting business where we're sort of deciding, should we sell you insurance? Yeah. Um, what price should we charge? There's risk data that's associated. And so that's one sort of level of it that if I can pull from other sources, and if I can pull in enough information to be able to give you a quote without asking all the risk data, whereas in a lot of the industry, we're saying, well, how old's your building? I don't know. What year was it built? What's it made out of? I uh, Glass and concrete and, you know, I, like people just don't know. And right. that creates friction, it, it creates frustration. So we say, well, on the underwriting side, how do we pull from other sources? How do we create unique data sets that are proprietary to us to be able to, one, create a very, very compelling underwriting narrative? And of course, I got to still have a reinsurance company or somebody behind me who has to be convinced that I have enough information to yeah. make a good decision. Right. So we have to make good data-driven risk management decisions, and then we have data about the customer that might help prompt other insights about what they might need, and then we have interaction data. Right. And so you know we've got just a brilliant team. I'm so lucky to be surrounded by um, so, such smart people in our company. You know we record sessions. Um, so if you're going and you click the help text and then you are clearly confused and you leave, you go back and forth five times. All of those interaction points give us insights to say, you know what, maybe that language isn't clear. Maybe the help text isn't that helpful. Maybe this is where we should prompt live chat and you need to escalate so that somebody can actually help you. So I think there's sort of the interaction data, which is super valuable um, and helpful to make it easier helpful to maybe prompt additional products or if, if you're fitting in the right spot. And then certainly from an underwriting and insurance perspective, um, everybody's trying to figure out, well, all those PDFs you've been filling out for years, they have all this unstructured data that's just locked away. So they keep asking you every year, how old your building? Okay. Well, that building's been the same age.
1: So. Talk to me a little bit about uh, uh, let's switch gears and talk about uh, Jeff as a as a leader of of companies and the, um, the some of the challenges around. Uh, let's start with just the idea of growing growing that team, right? How do you, how do you think of yourself if uh, you know um, as, as as the expression goes, right? Brand is what they say about you when you're not in the room. So if I ask somebody what is Jeff like as a leader, what do you think they would say?
0: Well, I'm certainly not a manager. And I think that's a, a really big distinction that a lot of leaders um, have that challenge, where just because you have a title, um, there are managing responsibilities and there are leadership responsibilities. Right. Sometimes those cross over, and they're required to. Um, but, but I certainly, my entire approach to, to leadership is just, I'm not a manager. So I one, i got to find good people who can be really good managers. But the, the biggest aspect for me is servant leadership. And it kind of plays into that management style of, you know what, I'm going to hire great people. I'm going to help them understand the problem that we're trying to solve. And then what I want to do is say, great, you're in charge. What do you need from me? Do you need capital? Do you need mentorship? Do you need more time with our customers, with me in terms of understanding the vision? Do you need other people around you? If you really truly understand the problem and you're someone that I've brought in to be really smart and really good at that thing, great. What do you think we should do? And then use that servant leadership style to say, how can I help? and what can we provide as, as a company, what can I provide as a leader to be able to help those people be successful. And then really they take off and, and they drive. Now it, it certainly requires bringing the right type of people and, and building that right culture where they're empowered, but you know, one of our core values is desire. I can't make somebody get out of bed and want <laughs> right. to do this and want to be passionate about making it better. I can't right. make them passionate about changing the help text so that we reduce our average transactions so we have less drop-offs, less people throw their hands up and leave. They're the one day in and day out who have to be have that desire to be able to push that forward. And so, you know, it's really bringing in the right people and then using our values to say does this person fit the criteria? Right do they have the ability to be successful in our environment where I'm not going to get up and really tell you what to do. Right. You know, I'm going to ask you, what do you think we should do? Get some comparing, you know, um, insights, debate, and have, you know, vigorous debate with candor to be able to then come up with the best idea and say, great, we're going to put some capital behind that. That's the solution, and that's how it's going to drive us forward.
1: Okay. Um, So in that that kind of context, you're you're referencing the idea of, uh, you know, people taking ownership uh, of, you know, certainly of problems in, in, in service of the, of the vision that you're trying to paint for Apollo. What are some of those characteristics you're looking
0: for? Be, candor's a big one, yeah. right? If, if, like you said, well, when, they're, when you're in the room or not in the room, if that is such a big gap, then you're never going to be successful because you have to have people that can speak straight to each other. Who can speak straight, you know, uh, up or down, and not be be rude or? or you know, there's obviously a right way to deliver uh, and the right tact, so that you're, you know, but it's the best idea has to win. It's not your idea or my idea, right. and the ego is associated. So candor's a, a critical one because people, t- in order for them to be and utilize how smart they are, they got to speak up. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, desire's a big one. They have to want it to be better. Right. And so I can't, you know, kick them into gear. They just have to innately want the world to be a better place uh, to pursue the vision. Adventure is one of our core values. And that one is about curiosity. And so why does it work that way? Right. And so in all these little interactions, like, how does that work? Or how, why do we, why do we do that? And even in a young company like ours, we have, I've heard it and it kills me because I heard this in the insurance industry in like sort of the legacy corporations, that's always the way we've done it. Right. And uh, already in a young business, you'll hear people say like, but there's not enough of that necessarily. You have to have uh, always asking and that curiosity. And then, I mean, adventure, one of the things I always say is you gotta enjoy it. It's not easy you know, or to invent the future. It's not easy to navigate it. It's not just going to a big corporation where maybe you can just, you know, uh, rinse and repeat. It's, it's a unique thing to build, build a company to solve particular problems. And so I always say to people, I'm like, you got to come here and want it, but you got to enjoy it. right? And relish in the struggle and relish in how hard it is. Like, yeah. you know, you think about pro athletes or other, it's like the blood, sweat, and tears, like the, the difficulty is what makes it so incredible and I think that's um, a characteristic that we really look for in people
1: and we're all pursuing we're all pursuing success but success not in and of itself the goal right so you you speak a lot about um, the, the type of company you're trying to build what is it about putting those out in the world like tell me a little bit more if you would about just like is that a world view that you have that that is that is that trying to birth a type of company that does things differently? Is it something personal with you that you think that there's uh, merit in putting that sort of statement out into the world about what it means, what Apollo is going to mean and the way that we're going to operate and the way that we're going to act?
0: I think it's, you know, a, a way that we can use to attract the right people. You know, a company is just a collection of people. It's a community. Right. Right. And, and especially in our business where we, we don't have factories, we you know, we don't have logistics we don't have a really even a physical tangible product. Right. We just have our people. We got nothing. We got, know, got nothing. No, no, no. We're no, selling no, that's not a right. piece of paper <laughs> and we're you know, we're emailing it to you. Yes. And, and that's the service. That's the and of course, sure there's peace of mind and then of course we've got to do a great job, you know, in the event of a claim when we show up and take care yeah. of you. But but we're not, you know, a, a business that's that sort of has all this machinery. And so when we we think about our people, it's the most valuable asset we have. Yeah. And we what you want in my opinion is diversity of thought. But you have to come together and still so collectively, as a community, have things that you can relate between. Right. And when you bring people together in line with those values, you can bring people. It's almost like a bad joke. All right. A software engineer and an underwriter walk into a room. Right. Like it's, it's they could not be more different. You know, more different. And then you add sales and then you throw marketing. And then like the, it's like there's such these diverse perspectives and backgrounds, but they all have desire. And they're all able to communicate with candor, and they all are enjoying the adventure. Right. And so, to bring those common values together, I think it's something that companies maybe they hire a consultant and they put them up on the wall, or, or they don't put them up, and, and it's just we'll hire whoever, and you know, there's the chair, hold it down, and. And I think, you know, you can still make money and there's a lot of great companies out there. Yeah. But, but for us, you know, we, we have to be so careful with resources. You know, we, we've raised capital from investors. We have to be protective of and, and we have to make sure that culturally um, people are going to, to drive this thing forward, um, especially as we scale, because it's not going to be me. Right. I'm not going to be in every Zoom call and every meeting and and certainly less and less as we keep growing. So if I I know everyone in that meeting is going to show up with those values, then I think we're going to be okay.
1: I love it. We're getting close to time. So um, I'm curious as we're uh, we had this great conversation. I felt like we had this great conversation. Um, Is there are there things that are keeping up at night now that you've you've built you into this, this sort of the the later stages of the Apollo story, I think it's fair to say, right? So you know, great invest- investors, great growth, amazing story. Are the things that are keeping you up at night as, you, as you're as you entering this new phase, are the particular technologies that you're looking on the horizon going, hey, we gotta be paying attention to that? A- anything that's uh, that you wanna kind of leave well, us with?
0: There's always, I think it's healthy paranoia, right. right? There's always a, and I would say, the big thing that keeps me up at night is, we should build a great company here. And great being, let's build something that's an important part of the Canadian economy. right? We have all of the tailwinds, we have great investors, we've got a great team, we've got a great problem to solve that we're solving and we've, we're proving every day how it works. It's like we should do something special here. And so I think it would be anything short of, of massive and anything short of, of really truly becoming an important Canadian company um, because we've, we have all the right things. And so it's really up to us and I think it's just, hey, we gotta go out and execute. And so can we go faster? Are we gonna get caught or stumble? You know, we have to, I think, just just stick with it. And and that's, I think, my only is just I hope we just keep going fast and and enjoy our ride on the way.
1: I love it. Well, let's leave it there, Jeff. Thank you so much for being with us. As always, Mark Lowe uh, signing off for the Insiders at KPMG.